0: could you please pronounce your name correctly for me sure yeah it's blue mitchell just like the color and i've got to know is that your given name or a nickname
1: it's my given name but it's actually my middle name so my first name is brandon but the parents always called me blue and it stuck
0: Okay you know there's a jazz, I think musician with the same name as as yours, yeah,
1: okay. and my parents were not familiar with him when they named me, so it was like a bonus
0: <laughs> fair enough, all right yeah. all right, so now you are sort of fascinating to me because you're one of those people where that you know this hyphenated people that we do all kinds of different stuff, so like you're a publisher, an artist, an educator, all kinds of different things. So give me a, like a, an overview of maybe like all the different things that you're currently doing.
1: Sure. Well, I have a day job where I do photography and videography and some graphic design for a healthcare company. And then sort of my my real passion is fine art photography. So I work on that on the side. and my interest in photography led to me publishing photography in in an annual magazine. And then we have a pretty robust website with uh, showcasing artists on our on our site at um, 112 Publishing. And the magazine, which is not really a magazine anymore, it's more of a book, it's called Diffusion. It, <laughs> and we've been doing that for over 10 years now. So trying to get one out a year on average. Uh, luckily, because it's my baby, it's on my timeline. So when I have time to do stuff, it happens.
0: So. All right. Now, also a little bit of background too. So how did you even come to being creative? Parents, school, like what was your your childhood like that sort of led you down the path of uh, a creative industry?
1: I didn't excel in a lot of stuff other than maybe English in school. Most of my time was spent doing art and sports really. Wasn't really into anything else. So I think I always wanted to be an artist as a kid. My, My parents, I would say, were creative, but not not necessarily artists, so but they were very supportive of my art interests all the way through elementary school and and definitely in my later years in high school and stuff. I think my interest in photography came more from wanting to do filmmaking, really, when I was younger. Um, that was sort of my first passion. But, you know, that said, in high school I took a advertising arts class and kind of fell in love with the graphic design as well. Um, so yeah i sort of dabbled a lot growing up and you know i always say oh i want to be an artist when i grow up but i can figure out how to make money doing that so uh, i started leaning on the graphic design a little bit because i knew that seemed like it'd be a little more implorable <laughs>
0: <laughs> well and that's sort of the point of this podcast from my perspective is to try and figure out how people are or for all practical purposes are not making a living and sort of finding that success in their own careers. So what you've chosen to do, it sounds like is sort of have a stable day job that then allows you the freedom and the free time to be able to, you know, spend your time and money on your own creative endeavors outside of work.
1: Yeah, very much so. Yeah. And, and even at the, it, at my workplace, I've been allowed a lot of freedom to learn and expand my creative skills there. So it's been nice because actually that support at the day job has given me a lot of knowledge for the things I'm doing in my side jobs as well. So, and, and vice versa, like learning how to be a podcaster has helped me with audio stuff in my day job, you know, so it's, it's been a nice combination of things, but yeah, certainly I need to be able to Pay the bills and stuff, and my publishing company does not make money. So we're we're lucky when we break even. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's very unfortunate. I mean, I I'm now. Weren't you associated also with, with uh, pixel to, plate to pixel pixel to plate? I'm so bad with mixing things up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was called plates to pixels, and that's sort of how this whole thing started for me. Right when I got out of my undergrad at the Oregon College of Art and Craft. I was doing a work study there the whole three years I was at that school and it was in the gallery. So I kind of got exposed to how the gallery system works at a college, of course. So it was a little different than your like commercial gallery, but I I loved it. I thrived in that environment and felt like, hey, I want to have a gallery. But, you know, being an undergrad student graduating and then us going into A recession a couple years later it seemed like a risky thing to open a gallery so i started doing this online gallery just sort of a way for me to dabble into it and see if i really enjoyed that piece of it and that led to a few years later i decided hey let's do a print version of what i'm doing in this online gallery and that's how diffusion was born i decided to give it a different name so it had its own identity and it was just Like a pet project like i'm just gonna do one issue and see if anyone wants it or likes it you know what i mean like i didn't have any goals like hey we're gonna do four this year or you know what i mean i wasn't gonna do them i just i was lucky to get one done it took me a year to publish one you know and then figure out the finances around And, and really just the logistics and publishing i didn't know anything about publishing i had no education so i just had to figure it out on my own you know
0: Okay, so what, give me a little bit of background on like sort of the nuts and bolts of that. Like, because from my side, so I'm uh, both a professor, but I'm also a practicing artist. And of course, I'm always interested, like when I submit something to a publication, how does that process go about? Like, do you have a committee of people that are deciding what's included in the publications or is this just you and you're like, yeah, I love this stuff, I'm gonna put it in? <laughs> it's been a
1: mixed bag. I've had some guests curators come on board for certain issues and and the magazine has changed a lot i used to do a lot more written stuff with articles and so i i had a lot of i let a lot of contributors over the years help me out kind of you know like i'll have an artist say hey i want to do so i want to do a feature on these three artists and then i'm like okay yeah go for it and so they have a lot of our contributors have kind of molded what's in the magazine over the years the most recent issues it's just been my wife and i curating the whole thing which has been a great partnership for her and i i think it's been the last three issues we've done together and and so it's definitely like a family thing yeah yeah it just depends on the issue i change it up every every time try to make it different now i'm just trying to make it bigger and better at this point <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, because what I'm thinking is, like, if I'm a curator, let's say, listening to this podcast that I might go like, I can like somebody submit saying, hey, like, I would like to curate the next edition for you or something like this.
1: You know, I've never done like an open call for curation. It's usually been private. Like, hey, I really like your style. I think you'd be a good fit. Would you want to curate an issue for us? So it's typically. if, Yeah, of course, I'd probably be open to the idea of some awesome curator calling me up and said, hey, I want to do something with you, you know, but that's never happened, so.
0: (laughs) When Jerry Saltz calls, you're all Yeah, Uh, right,
1: yeah, yeah, go for it, man. (laughs) What do you want to do?
0: (laughs) I'm not sure he listens to the podcast, so we'll we'll (laughs) just assume that's not going to happen. But so you say that, like, the the, the, that it doesn't make any money or anything like this. So, like, to a certain extent, it it, you know, it's one of the things, like, we're all creative, and we all have our little outlets and stuff. And it's like, there's a certain point where it's like, when do you say, Okay, I'm just gonna keep doing it. And I'm gonna make it my thing. Or when was there a point where you were sometimes like, screw it, I've invested too much money in this, and it's not doing anything for me? Like, have you ever run into that situation in those that case?
1: Oh, I think every year I have, a I have a freak out moment, usually, like halfway through developing an issue i'll have a freak out moment like why the hell am i doing this i spend a lot of time for not a lot of financial gain but for me it's been it's a passion project so i've gained so much out of the publishing on a personal level the money piece of it it's just not it's just not even relative anymore you know the I have been able to travel and do photo reviews all over the country because of this publication. I've made a ton of great friends. I've had a lot of opportunities to work with galleries to show work from the magazine. So I've had a lot of shows come out of it. We, we've For a while there, we were doing a show a year with Diffusion, if not more. So we'd showcase the artists that are in the magazine at a guest gallery. And we've done that all over the country and in, in the U.S., of course. We did have a... We, We worked with some folks in China and we were able to do a a show at the Li Shui photo festival a few years back. So yeah, it's, it's, it's garnered so much more opportunities for me, just on a professional level and a friend level. I've made such great friends in the industry because of it. And so, yeah, that's, that's really what keeps me going. It, It has nothing really to do with the finance piece of it. You know, I also started this thing up like at a really bad time. Magazines were going under. You know, books were not being published as much. You know, this is like self publishing became a thing right when I was doing this. And then, you know, so there was a bit of a time period. People like, why are you starting a magazine right now? This is crazy. Like, there's no, you know, there's no really good resources for magazines anymore. a lot of that was because of online anyway. Yeah. Like I've never, it's not like swimming up river. I've, I've pretty much tried to swim down river, but it does sometimes feel like I'm doing things at the wrong time. But I think that's why people appreciate it, you know, like, that's why all these people are like what we do, because we do a print magazine and, and we try really hard to make it high quality. Like I said, I feel like it's just been more of a, uh, I've, I've gained so much personally from it that there's, you know, I can't quantify
0: financially. Well, it's an interesting conversation because, like, my wife works in accounting, so she she goes to work, she shows up at 9, she leaves at 5, she does her job, if she does her job well, she's got her job, there's no problems. Mm-hmm. Whereas... In the creative industries were very different like we we will often do projects for a year two years five years to to try and build something that ends up not being that thing we were building but it's the tertiary things that happen because of this thing we built kind of thing for sure yeah and it's just you know, a lot of people in the world don't understand us for that <laughs>
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I feel like that's, you know, like I, I look back, you know, with this we've, we're publishing our 10th issue of Diffusion this year and it, it's on at press right now. I should see it hopefully in a week or so. But, you know, in reflecting on the 10 years we've been doing this, is like part of what I wrote in my introduction was like, this is not just this publication to me. This is a community. This has been sort of a, a place for like-minded photographers to kind of come together in, in it, which is great because we provided online forums and I've done the shows and stuff. So it's been more than just this publication. And I think that's been such a nice way to knit it all together. And plus it's it's incorporated all my passions, you know, being able to do, you know, I've been basically, I built off the website, did a magazine, I built off the magazine, did shows, and then, you know, built off my, The people that I've been working with and did my podcast, you know, most of the people I talk to on the podcast are people that I've met through the
0: publication, essentially, or these photo reviews and stuff like that. Which, by the way, I don't believe we mentioned the name of the podcast is The Diffusion Tapes. Yes, yes.
1: I'm lucky to get one out a month, but I think it took me... A year and a half to release ten episodes. So yeah, I, I, it's definitely one of those. You know, I think you. What do you do? Three in a week or something?
0: Two a week. Two a week. <laughs>
1: so a little different.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, my life is. Um, I, I have time. Let's say, you know. when I edit, I I will remove all of your ums and stutters and things like this, but not mine because oh, okay. the, the podcast is called the wise fool. So I come off looking like an idiot, but I make my guests sound really intelligent and intellectual. So, yeah, I love it. It's great. It's a great
1: title, by the way.
0: Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it came to me like the idea was, is that it, it we all are sort of wise fools you know we all have our specializations that we're really skilled at and 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 knowledgeable about and you know we have our sort of expertise in but there are so many other things and in in the case of this i thought i know like my niche of the art world but there are so many other parts of the art world that i know nothing about and that's pretty much it we're all that
1: yeah for sure yeah
0: yeah yeah Okay, one question I have about uh, 112 Publishing. Where'd you get the name? It's funny you asked.
1: It's. I'll try to give you the abridged story, but when I met my wife, she was in school getting her interior design degree, and I was just going back to school to finish up my art degree. And we worked at a retail place together, and that's how I met her. And one day I went in, and I saw on the schedule of employees that were coming in for the day, there was some chicken scratch and it looked like this person's name was one one two so i asked the manager i'm like who's 112 and they're like oh that i just i just can't write very well that's liz liz and it looked like a one one and a two and i was like oh that's funny and then later we started dating and i started calling her 112 because of that incident and then when i decided to do the publishing company i was like well would not that be cool if it's just some random name that nobody knows about but in honor of her, you know, because she's been so supportive of me over the years.
0: It's very nice. Yeah, that's a good That's a good reason for that name. <laughs> well, and also, so, okay, so you brought up that you are married and you have children or child? Two, two girls, 10 children. and six okay now one thing i've often talked with people mostly women about but i'm also interested in the male side of this is the the issue of sort of how does being a parent change your perspective on either the work you produce or sort of the priority of making your thing like so like you know do you because i don't currently have any children but i plan to in the near future and i sort of wonder about like that is was there a shift in your methodology your practice your concerns uh, about your work
1: you know it really when diffusion took off was right around the same time we had our first kid so it has grown with the kids in a lot of ways so i haven't i haven't had to shift or change or anything it's kind of been like The publication and the stuff I do online is just when I have time, right? It's not. That's why I don't put any deadlines on anything because it's. It sometimes it takes me a long time to get to stuff, and that's because the family is my priority, and and of course my job, and you know. So I'll spend time with the kids rather than work in the studio. So you know, my own. I think maybe the only thing that that has suffered a bit is my own art productivity for myself, doing my photography but I'm okay with that, you know. It, it took for a while there, I was like, oh, I need to go do this and do that. And it was a lot of self-pressure. And, you know, it's been long enough now that I'm like, I, I'm totally fine with the art just coming when it comes and, you know, diffusion coming out when it comes out, you know, like for instance, this last issue, prior to this pandemic situation, I was already way behind because my day job is very demanding and, you know, got kids and, but I'm okay with it. People are used to me that know diffusion comes out when it comes out, you know, you know what I mean? Like, there's no, I never tell people like there's that's going to come out. You know, it might come out
0: at this point, but um, you never know. It's due sometime in the end of the year.
1: Yeah. And I've said that and it's then it came out the next year. So,
0: (laughs) okay. Okay. So not even a sometime in the end of the year works for you. All right. Fair enough. (laughs) All right. You also mentioned portfolio reviews. I'm fascinated by portfolio reviews. I have been on both ends of it. I have been both reviewed and I have been a reviewer. And I'm interested in some of your experiences with uh, either end of of that sort of whole whole situation, because like I do, well, A, I'm a professor. So of course I've done a million of them in the classroom, but I also uh, do them uh, online for lens culture. Uh, they oh. do uh, an anonymous um, one. So like the person receiving it doesn't know who's doing it. Uh, so it's kind of nice and freeing that we're able to do it anonymously because they can't get angry with me if they right. don't like it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it, It's got a little bit of freedom to it that like, I you know, when I sit across a table from somebody doing a portfolio mm-hmm. review, that I might be a little bit kinder because I don't want them to be angry with me because then that's, you know, potentially – hurts my reputation for whatever reason kind of thing so like there's a there's a little bit of a balancing act in there
1: yeah so i i sort of jumped the table i i like to say that because i've actually never been to any of these formal reviews with my own work sitting on you know the reviewee side i've always been a reviewer from the get-go and that's probably because diffusion launched at the same time like i was kind of coming into my own for my artwork and stuff so and, and and honestly, because of my experience being a reviewer, I, I'm a little more timid to be a reviewee on the other side. So I feel like I'm going to, you know, if I look at my, I'm so cr- critical of my own work that I can see what I would say about it and be like, I don't know if I want to deal with that, you know?
0: <laughs> well, one thing I have about that, like, so like when it comes to being a reviewer, like there I'm okay. In contemporary photography industry, there's this whole, you want the image to be somewhat aesthetically compelling. I'm not going to say beautiful. So like compelling moves you in some way. And then there's also the statements. And then of course, even when you're sitting in front of a portfolio review, you're talking about like the personality and the charisma of that person as well. So like how, how much do these different parts of that relationship that's being created, like affect you?
1: It affects me a lot. It, well, I'll be honest. So one of the, there's a caveat here. I think I've I've had a lot of reviewers sit down at my table, and the first thing they'll say is like, "Oh, I've heard you're a nice guy," and and as nice as that is to hear, I also think kind of what you're saying. Like, nah, I don't know if I like that because that means I'm sure coding things. Maybe you know when I'm talking to people. I try to be as honest as I can, but I do sugarcoat my honesty. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think what you were saying about being able to be a little more critical about stuff and not hurt somebody's feelings would be maybe a little better. But at the same time, that's just who I am in general. So I think it's okay. You know, I, I'm all right with that. This year, because of the pandemic, I've been asked to do reviews virtually, and I did do some for Click Photo Fest in North Carolina. And and as great as it was to connect with people and do those reviews online, I didn't really like it. I I really didn't thrive well in that situation as far as a reviewer. I felt like they weren't getting what they would have got from me if I had seen them in person. So what you were talking about with the charisma and that kind of stuff, like it affects me for sure when I'm reviewing and when we're doing this screen sharing like i can't see uh, the prints in person and i can't like feel, you know i'm a tactile person i want to feel it and see it i want to see you know, i like three-dimensional photography so that's sort of what our niche is and so for me reviewing stuff online i'm sort of guessing i'm guessing about it and, and it, it just i don't have as much to say because i can't you know i can't really experience the work as well so right now like i've had to say no to a lot of reviews because i just i'm not interested in doing the online review thing right now so i'm like hey ship me some prints and we'll talk about it
0: <laughs> yeah well shipping's a bear right now too with all that oh, like, yeah. everything's taking way too long i had this shipment recently that was like six weeks late it was ridiculous but anyways so not liking online portfolio reviews totally understand that so but they're they're virtual so like i mean is it like a virtual studio tour or is it like formalized kind of thing like i've never done them but i personally find the whole situation very awkward i don't think it would be like you said like i don't think it would be as fulfilling for me as a review e as it could be Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, what? So, like, the ones that I've done is like the same as you and I. I I'm looking at you on screen. You're looking at me on screen. And then you put up your portfolio, and we flip through it and talk about it. You know, through Zoom or whatever. And it's yeah, it's not it's not the same. Of course, it's nice to see the person and talk to them. But you know, being able to see it in person, like I said, is, is so much better.
0: Agree. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you mentioned working with galleries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, everybody has this. A, you know romantic idea that a gallery is like the end all be all like you get a gallery and then you you've made it kind of stuff so like how have you uh how has your relationships with galleries been have you had good experiences bad experiences um how did you build them? How did you nurture them? Because that's one that I always wonder about. Like, it's easy to make a relationship, but I find it more difficult to like continually nurture that relationship. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, it's I haven't had a bad experience. It's good to hear. But I have had situations where I might, you know, like I don't think I'd go back to that gallery necessarily. But it's it's not because of my relationship. It's typically uh, I have found out how they treated the artists. And as far as like, you know, payments and, you know, if you sell a piece, are they getting paid on time or, you know, are they charging so much for shipping or whatever, like whatever their policies are, but for the most part, I haven't had any issues and, we, and have, we've and mostly worked with smaller galleries that kind of thrive off the, the juried show model. So they're able to kind of fit in a random diffusion show in their schedule we've had some pretty nice shows. So it's kind of nice to see like stuff out there in, in, in the world where I don't live or I don't have any control over, you know, I'm interesting. but most of these people that I'm working with, I've met through photo reviews for the most part. So I've met them in person. We have a relationship. And so I, I think we're constantly nurturing that stuff just, just because I like these people, you know what I mean? So I probably won't work with someone just because they have a cool gallery. But if I don't, if we don't get along, if we don't jive, then it's probably not the best match, you
0: know? Okay, I'll send you my portfolio when we're all done with this. Totally totally kidding. It's it's fine. But that scene, though,
1: has changed tremendously, as you know, like over the years, all these galleries have had to change their models and, you know, a lot of them are struggling. And so anything I can do to sort of help them at the same time just get exposure get more people come into their place or getting more submittals from people that follow us you know that kind of stuff so it's a good partnership i think
0: okay you mentioned exposure i'm always fascinated with social media do you use it do you like it
1: i do yeah I, without the social media we wouldn't be able to get near as many online sales for the publication but Yeah, I'm not on there as much as I should be. Like, I'm not a big social media, like I don't push it a lot. Luckily, I've had, you know, interns in the past that are good at that and they'll help me. I can do it and I, and I sometimes like to do it, but yeah, I, I am torn because it's, it's not something I'm real passionate about, but I know that's how I reach the people that I need to be reaching, especially like nowadays. You know instagram wasn't around when i started this but nowadays it seems like instagram's the place for me to promote diffusion and to promote the artists that we work with because so many people are on that platform it's an easy way to connect and it's visually based it's not you know what i'm saying like i moved to instagram because hey this is a visual place and that's kind of what we do so that's important for me and you know like i have a twitter account but we don't use it like i just don't i'm not into that I, I kind of wish we did that more because we'd probably be more successful in a lot of ways, but I just not I'm not interested personally. so
0: yeah, twitter, i'm I'm not a fan. Everybody that I know that like uses Twitter on a regular basis is either one of two things angry because it's just the, just general rhetoric on there or they're obsessed about it. And I don't want either of those things. So, <laughs> I've got enough concerns in my life. I don't need to be concerned about some, you know, virtual something or other conversation that I don't need to be having. Yeah. Okay, I have a question about your work. So mm-hmm. you're publishing, fabulous, your work. Um, I You seem to use a lot of alternative processes and different kind of things like this. One thing I've, I've wondered, at, and I keep in mind, my background's also photography in case you didn't research me. So just to be clear, do you sell like unique works or do you make editions and prints and things like this?
1: both actually it depends on the series i have i have a silver leaf series that they're just silver leaf with resin on them and they're one-offs there's no i do i'll do like a series of 10 of them but to be frank i'll make maybe two or three to start and then if they sell i'll make more because they're so labor-intensive pieces i do like a photo transfer so it's you know the The image is one thing, but then the process of make the final image is, is like three times more work, you know? So those pieces are originals, you know, I don't do prints from those, but I have some other work that are only like digital prints. So the the way I created it was more unique and, but the print itself is a digital print, but, and kind of how I work around that is I just do limited editions of, of each one. So that way I'm not printing out thousands of prints. I'm just not interested in that. I don't sell that much anyway so for me i can do an addition of 10 and i'm cool
0: (laughs) well that's what i was going to ask is like because like you know a lot of people in their Romantic ideas of being an artist were like, oh, I'll make an edition of a thousand and blah, blah blah. You know, but I find that, like, especially for like with my own work, like the smaller run editions actually seem to be. There's something about scarcity that makes people desire it more than if you say, like, yeah, I've got a, a hundred of these. They're like, ah, eh, I can get it later. Right. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. But, yeah. but if you say, hey, they're only seven, suddenly mm. people are like, oh, gotta buy it now, kind of thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I I like the process of crafting work. And and that's also what we publish a lot of, you know, I call it artfully crafted. But, you know, a lot of handcrafted photography is where I'm interested. And so and that stems from my own photography in a lot of ways, because I like to get dirty and I like to get messy. And I don't have a darkroom anymore. So I've chosen a medium where I can still kind of spend a lot of time doing nuances with my work that without the darkroom process and I still get the same kind of benefit from it personally. So, yeah, I feel like the way, you know, like I, I've i been shooting Polaroids lately, and it's like, how do you deal with selling Polaroids? Do you sell your original or do you make prints? And so I was like, well, I'll just scan them and make some prints from them, but I'll just limit them. And, you know, every every time I approach a new project, I, I look at it differently. The, I have a series called of, of salt and earth and that series are all digital prints. And I decided just to do editions of those. And it's kind of the first time I've done just a straight digital print portfolio. So I was like, okay, I need to figure out how to make this work and for me to make it like feel like it had the craft
0: to it. Let's put it that way. No, I totally understand what well, I mean within that. Okay. So like, Let's say you make an addition. what 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 do you do? Like cause like i' I'm, I'm a bit OCD myself. Like I have this very elaborate uh, certificate of authenticity, and then I have like numbered hologram matching stickers that I put on the back of the print on on the certificate. Like, do you do all that kind of stuff when you're you're getting ready to sell it?
1: no I've never done that but I do I do know a lot of people that do and I get that because it's it kind of like validates it I feel like that kind of follows it along like I I had a show years ago at a gallery in San Antonio called Gallery Nord and they sold I think I don't know eight or so of my pieces the most I've ever sold and they're like a thousand dollars a pop And and I in hindsight I was like none of these people actually know me You know, like I didn't meet I didn't know any of these collectors in San Antonio. I live in Portland like I I didn't know any of them. And I always thought in hindsight, like all they got is my signature on the back of the piece. Like they don't have any other information about me. Like, how do they know those are going to be any type of collectors? I don't. The fact that they brought eight makes me think they were collecting. You know what I mean? So I felt
0: it was one person that bought eight pieces.
1: Yeah, I think one person bought six, and maybe two others sold or something like that. So but yeah, there nice. was definitely a a big collector that, and I was like, well, maybe I should have made those better for collectors, you know. But I didn't know back then because I was pretty new to this. So yeah, so I don't, I don't know. I I I, I kind of look at them like paintings. Like, hey, that's just they are what they are.
0: You know what I mean? Like, I don't oh man i knew this guy god i I don't remember his name but this guy was an undergrad with on the back of his paintings he, he would write this really long and intricate like set of codes and stuff that basically like broke down to it was like a long sentence and it had a series of words and all the words were basically where he was when he painted it what the date he started it what medium he used what girl he was dating at the time what car he was driving i mean like all these random facts and stuff so that it sort of chronicled the time by which over he painted this so and he and i asked him i said why did you why did you do all this he's like just to confuse future historians I love it though, man. Put something interesting on there. I like
1: that. Yeah.
0: It was ridiculous. I still have (laughs) a, I traded him. I have a piece of his and it's just like, I have no, I don't even even care what his name is from it because there's just so much written on the back. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, but okay, back to the whole like sort of editions versus like originals thing. So one of the things like for me, okay, so I've been doing photography for God, too long, 30 years. Like if you include, you know, intermediate school and high school, but I've sort of moved beyond it. Like I, I'm to a certain extent, I'm a little bit less, so we're bored with like, just like, I know that sounds bad. Sorry, photographers, but I'm a little bit like bored with just like the straight, like take a picture, make a print boring to me. Like it's, there are so many amazing photographs already been produced, I don't know what I can add to it, you know, kind of thing. And so, like, I feel like a lot of, like, putting that hand of the artist, making those unique things, you know, painting on them, tearing them, sanding them, doing what you know, tearing them, whatever, you burn them, whatever, do mm-hmm. something more than just the, the print is somewhat sort of uh, desirable to people. I think that uniqueness is something that people are looking for. And so I guess what I'm asking you is, do you see that there's a difference between the people buying partly maybe even the quantity of people buying your unique works versus your editioned works
1: yeah i haven't sold hardly any of just my straight digital prints so, i mean those are few and far between you know it, it's more of people that are on a budget they'll go for those prints but yeah definitely the stuff that i've put way more labor into have been way more of interest for people and collectors for sure. And a lot of the people I know that have bought my pieces in the past are are friends too, so I can't really say one way or the other like what their interest was. They're just buying it because they want to support me. Uh, obviously they must like the image, but I, do they care about the medium? You know, I think that's just consumer interest. But I think the world that I live in, which I feel like is a bit of a small microcosm of photography where people are doing handcrafted work, like you were saying, mixed media work, those folks appreciate it. And that's sort of where I live. You know, I live in this little, that world. I do love a lot of other photography, but I I have a hard time doing it myself. And it also... I, I can respect a lot of photography out there that is just straight prints because of the content of the work, you know, of the image itself. But my, you know, in my personal work, it's it's not enough. In fact, the part of what is, it, my education, I started at the Montana S- State University in their film program. And I fell in love with photography because of the darkroom. So I kind of switched majors and went over to the the still side of things and, as I was sort of developing as a photographer, I, I started seeing, like for color, for instance, I was shooting color slide and then black and white darkroom. Well, then I kind of got disenchanted with the whole university system because I just really wanted to do art. So I was like, I think I need to quit and go find an art school so I could just do, so I could be more well-rounded as an artist instead of as just a citizen. <laughs> and, and But I did find a moment in my life where I was like, I'm just so bored of shooting black and white film and color film. You know, this was when I was it was all film at the time. And and I got really like disenchanted with photography. I was like, I I just don't think that I'm ever going to be able to do what I want to do because this I'm shooting and I'm enjoying when I'm out there shooting. But then when I look at the images later, I'm like a oh, snoozefest, you know. So I had to find a way to make photography interesting. And that's why I went to the Oregon College of Art and Craft. They had a great alternative process program there where you got to learn all the historical methods. And then I fell back in love with photography. And that's sort of what led me here was that education in kind of the history of photography, not just, you know this person did this when, but more like get your hands dirty and figure out how to use all these chemicals. And, you know, I always admit I'm not the best technician. So a lot of these things were major fails for me. And they, and I still have a lot of failures with processes, but I still love it. You know, I like getting dirty and I like printmaking. There's just so many variables to photography that you can do. And that's what, how I fell back in love with photography. It was just like, let's just get dirty and make, you know, really crafted pieces
0: oh yeah when i was in school i remember a lot of the the other people so like the the stone sculptors and the the woodworkers and stuff they used to like mock us photographers they're like you all are just lazy artists you know (laughs) because all you do is click a shutter and make a print and you're done like i have to carve this stone for a month every day just to get one thing you know so like yeah i mean and and I, you know, my father's also does painting, which he's on another episode of this podcast. So like you mm-hmm. can listen to his, but I mean, I love the, the, the act of getting dirty. Like I love the, the act of like being creative and being tired and dirty and smelly. Like I loved, I still have a fetish for the smell of fixer and developer. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Oh gosh, still doing, I can't tell you the things I used to do in a dark room, but, but, but <laughs> But like they, they have a great uh you know sensory uh relationship for me with uh some previous relationships so yeah
1: well we used to joke that we we needed to make a fixer cologne right for those wear, photographers
0: I would <laughs> yeah people no, like oh that's horrible <laughs> yeah nobody else would like the smell of it but <laughs> i would love the smell of it like oh it would be so good yeah. <laughs> love it yeah, yeah. But I mean, I I just, yeah, I'm a huge fan of like people who like put their whole body into the work. Like at one point I actually did very large scale work where I was sort of taking like Matthew Barney's idea of like, you know, using your whole body. And so like the shapes of my things were literally like the shapes of that my, my appendages could do kind of stuff. Like, so, so I'm trying, I'm showing this on video, and obviously nobody can hear it. but the 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 wingspan of my arms became like the size of my of my marks that I created and things like this. And like that's a really great sort of visceral experience to like you know be part of it versus just take a picture, put it in the lightroom, print it out on a piece of paper. Don't get me wrong, I love a beautiful print. I mean, I, I feel like I'm smack talking to a lot of photographers here but but like i love a good photograph i do i admire them and there's you know there's there are great photographers out there that can do things that i never could create and that's why i'm like i sort of just want like i don't want to compete with that like mm-hmm. okay here let me give you this one nothing personal to the photographers who are listening to this nor to you blue i apologize <laughs> for i'm generally not friends with photographers I find them to be generally very catty and competitive and, and and very pompous. They're all like, oh, you shoot with a Nikon. Oh, I shoot with a Canon. Oh, your lens has a red ring around it. Mine doesn't, like, oh, fuck off. <laughs> like, I hate that shit. Like, what happened for me was I went to grad school and when I showed up at grad school, I sat down for the first critique and they, they, they all put up their stuff. And the first question that was asked was, so what paper did you print that on? I'm like, what, who the fuck cares what paper you printed that on? Like, the point is, what are you trying to express? Why are you trying to express this? Have you conveyed it well? This kind of stuff. Like, it's not the mm. technical shit. And photographers, more than any other medium, they care too much about Showing off with their expensive equipment and, you know, trying to impress by using Hammond mule papers and all this. Don't get me wrong, love Hammond mule papers. But, <laughs> but it, like, it's just, I find the photographers are often a bit, as a general broad stroke, competitive, catty, sort of one-upmanship. and I'm I, And so I decided just not to be part of that game.
1: Well, that's that's actually goes well with what i was saying is i i feel like i have a little niche myself of there's this group of photographers that really doesn't care about that stuff there's they're more into the handcrafted work and i and i do i'm with you like i love a good print as well but for me it's like well i don't care like i've been a photographer for a long time and i know enough to get by but i get tripped up on equipment like i don't I don't care about equipment most of the time. Like, does it do what I want it to do? And that's all that's all I care about. I don't care if it's like a what lens it is like and this happens to my day job a lot because I do have a more technical job doing, you know, basically commercial, you know, corporate photography. So I kind of have to know enough to make that stuff work, especially with video and stuff and I, and I often get down on myself because I'm not as good as all these other people, because, but I'm also like, that's also not where my interest lies. Like I'm more interested in how does this shoot work? You know, as long as my audio is good and everything looks nice, like, I don't care as long as, as long as the end product is what I envisioned it to be, then I'm happy. Right. So, but in, in that there's a lot of failures because I. Because I'm not super technical, you know, like, oh, I had my aperture was totally off on that shoot. Like, I had my ISO was way high. It turned out grainy. Like, oh, shit, I got to figure that out next time. So there's a lot of on the job, like, you know, like, I just go shoot. And then later, I'm like, oh, I, I had the settings all jacked up. I should have done that differently, you know. So I, I have to really go out of my way to plan a shoot so I know, like, okay, what am I doing today? What kind of environment am I shooting in? It, it, it takes me a little extra effort because I just don't think about that stuff. I'm just more of an organic shooter most of the time.
0: Yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah, see, it's funny. I probably over, I probably over plan. and, And then it's funny. I had to explain this to somebody recently. I plan obsessively for my photo shoots. Like I will even have like clothing custom designed for the shoot to get a tailor to make a piece of clothing that doesn't exist in the world. And I, and I will like obsess about the time of day to get the right. Beautiful, natural light, the location, all this kind of shit, I will obsess. But then as soon as I get to the photo shoot, I I don't care. (laughs) It's just like, you know, I'm a, I'm a ahead of time planner. And then I'm very much like a wing it once we're there because I've sort of created all the criteria. I've said like, okay, I've got this piece and this piece and this piece, and they're all there now. Let's see what they all have, what happens when they all come together.
1: Oh, that's great because you've checked all those boxes before you get there. So you don't have to worry about it. <laughs>
0: right. Yeah, but 99% of the time, the Im- it's funny, the, the image that I like go there trying to create is almost never the image that ends up being the most beautiful. Sure. Isn't that great though? it is Oh yeah yeah no it's always something better than what i had originally thought of you know like i mean i can't tell you like i generally do figurative works and stuff and like it's that collaboration when i'm working with another person like the things that suddenly they add to the image that i could mm. never have imagined that suddenly is like oh my god that's so much better than i could have imagined right right so like i love that collaborative process that uh, you know is basically it's like I was a Boy Scout and a Cub Scout, so it's like be prepared. So like you 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 gather everything and you're pre- as prepared as you can be, and then allow for the spontaneity to happen.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that's good because I feel like when you're working with someone who you're collaborating with, if you're not planned, then I mean you got to have some sort of plan for you guys to be working in this environment together to make it work, right? Otherwise, it could just be you know they could be disappointed with you right because like you don't know what you're doing man
0: (laughs) and they may be disappointed with me and they just don't say it I don't know (laughs) who the fuck knows so tell me about the collaboration though
1: when do you feel like are you are you specifically talking about your models when you're collaborating or or Uh,
0: oh no I mean well like I would have to collaborate with a model a hair and makeup artist and Mm -hmm. potentially even a clothing designer so there would be a number of different people and so like I would have to build out whole backstories of like this is what I'm trying to express this is what I want to convey this is how I want this to look I want it to have the feeling of this the time period the whatever you know like the whole Sarah standard like mood board basically of the whole right. idea. but of course my pain is like I I obsess a bit too much because like I will go around to like a dozen different fabric stores just trying to find like just the right fabric and this goes back to my mother's also an interior designer so like mm. so Like looking for just that right fabric that drapes just the way I want it to. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, I know.
1: Do you? So, do you feel like with that collaboration though that you you become more excited and more successful because you have other people's input on your shoots?
0: Oh, absolutely. Like I'm always. like basically what i try my best to do because of course i'm sure some i don't know maybe i read this or heard this somewhere but like basically surround yourself with people that you respect and then trust them to do their jobs Hmm. so you know you try and hire the best people or collaborate with the best people that you can and then just basically give them something to start them off and then, and then just hope that they do their thing. And if, if you can surround yourself with qualified you know, quality people, then they will sort of step up also and create things that again, like I could never have imagined. So yeah. That's great. Yeah. Sadly, I don't do that anymore. I I don't even own a camera anymore.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Are you still making art?
0: Oh, I got this (laughs) shit. Uh, I'm trying to think what I can legally say. (laughs) Um, i have a lot of prints that i made at my last employment Mm. and and what i do now is i actually work um so like nobody on the podcast can see it but like i got a piece behind me here but the i i use prints that are done on like nice watercolor papers like reeves bfk your fabrianos your epson hot press digital prints paper um and i and i i fold them and then i like layer them decoupage i paint i sand i put as you can see like silver leaf on them I, right. I, so like very tactile and very visceral sort of creating layers of skin almost on top of the image because like something that hit me a couple years ago, how many, five, five years ago now, was like, I was putting all this time and effort to build an image. I'm like, I gotta create this amazing image. And then I suddenly realized, why? You know, like how much of that do I really need to still express that idea? And how much of it can I deconstruct or remove? And so I've got all these, I've got hundreds of prints and now I'm deconstructing those prints and trying to say like, okay, what can I take away and what's unnecessary to express that idea?
1: Oh, I love that, that's great. In fact, that that's exactly what I tell people when we're doing portfolio reviews, is like, if there's a lot of process, cause that's, people are drawn to me. They wanna review with me because they know I like process and all that kind of stuff. So when I'm reviewing work, that's one of the questions I ask, like, why are you doing it this way you know what's the point of your process like how does that process help your imagery to get to really your your what your vision was for your photograph why are you using this process to get there and I asked about my own work like you know it's like you said you're deconstructing the image like I used to put way too much process in and then it totally lost the whole point of what I was going for originally so then I've gone through the same thing that you've gone through it's like okay and i need to back that down and really simplify and say what is really what am i really trying to do here and why am i spending all this time doing stuff that doesn't really get to the point it's not helping my image in fact and sometimes it's just making it like look messy and worse so
0: oh yeah i mean i i've played with so many different techniques like i, I think our careers are probably pretty similar like because i played with gumby by Chromade, van dyke brown cyanotypes um me, my God! Like the, my, I used to run a public uh, community darkroom, so like I used to play mm-hmm. with every process I could to try and encourage my, you know, you know, the people that came in to try all kinds of different things, and but, like one of the things is always why. Like so, like whatever choice you're making, you like I always say, like you need to be able to answer why did you make that choice. Mm-hmm. So if you don't, if you can't defend that, I mean, it doesn't have to be some. Deeply philosophical thing, like you don't do. Well, I did it because Kant has beliefs in the philosophy. Blah blah. None of that shit. But like, but like, as long as you can give a, a, a good explanation of why you chose this and why you believe that that's necessary to express your idea, then it's fine. It's good enough. But if you can't answer why, then maybe it's not necessary. Right. Exactly. That's such a good
1: point. that's one of the things with publishing diffusion we get so many submissions that are are like you know alternative process work historical process and and oftentimes because i'm not sitting down with that person in a portfolio review i just look at it and go well it's a great image but why did they do it this way like that is my first question i don't understand why you did a collodion for this image is it just because you wanted it to look old because that feels like that's all you're trying to do here is make it look old and if that's what you're doing i don't think you're doing it for the right reasons you know what i mean so that, that's actually why i like the face-to-face because i get that like hey why are you choosing to do it this way you know if, if you're just trying to make it look antique then i feel like you shouldn't be doing it i mean maybe that works for an overarching series or something that you're working on but i I, I'm the same way. You, ne- I need to know why you're doing it. like, and, and that's like when I was doing alternative process, darkroom processes, I started asking myself that question too. Like, wait, why am I doing tintypes? Because I don't think I need to be doing tintypes for this work. Oh, I, I love tintypes. Me too. Well, that, that was why I started it, because I just loved them. But then I realized a lot of the work I was doing it didn't really make sense that I was doing it in Tintype. So I I kind of like backed away from it. I was like, well eh, it's not really it's a lot of work for something that's really not giving me the results that I should be. It's it's like this, the same thing. I backed away from it like I, it, I don't really need to be doing it that way.
0: The the one medium that I'll tell you, I swear, I've seen so many people use it in such a poor manner is cyanotypes hmm. like cyanotypes. There are only certain subjects or, or structures that look good in blue.
1: <laughs> not, oh, it's so true.
0: Not every topic looks good in blue and like, mm-hmm. boy, I've seen so many bad images done in cyanotype that like that, if they had just chosen to do it in gumby chromate or Van Dyke Brown might've been stunning. Mm-hmm. but the, the blue is such a niche color that doesn't sorry no nothing personal It's your name <laughs> yet, but, but like it's such a niche color that like it just doesn't render a lot of subjects really well.
1: No, I agree. That, and that's again I see a lot of cyanotype stuff come in. And and I always I love cyanotype. I love how they look, but it, but at the, at the same time like again, like why are we doing this in cyanotype?
0: Okay, I love this. Wait, I got a question for you. Because you play b- sort of both sides of everything, so you are a practicing artist, you're a publisher, you're a reviewer, all this kind of stuff, artist statements, mm. what, what's your position on them? I think they should be simple.
1: I don't, I, I have a heart I used to make these really like, you know, fluffy artist statements, and I and I realized like, nobody nobody's really reading it all that much and if they do they're getting bored because i'm putting a bunch of fluffy words in there so I, i'm all about just i like to have a project statement so if you have a new project i want to hear a little bit about that project just tell me what what that series is about but don't make it like super heady and try to make yourself sound all like foo. i'm more like just get to the point if it is foo foo, make it simple like i i I have a tendency to make my stuff more like, I don't know, romantic. So a lot of my project statements will be a little bit romantic in some way. I'm okay with that if it's simple and to the point. You know, like I don't. But these really long artist statements, I, I just this is snooze fest. Nobody cares. If they care, they're gonna they want to they're gonna want to read like your bio and maybe more of a in depth. Maybe listen to an interview with the artist instead like i just don't I, I don't care so much about the artist statements like they never have dictated what i publish let's put it that way you send me an artist statement on your work is never going to change my mind about whether i'm going to print it or not so it's always images first for me
0: well and that's sort of what i was leading to sort of like the idea of like how important because like to in my opinion it's like a good photograph can capture my imagination and get me going and all that. And and a, an artist statement in some way should enhance that appreciation. But it, it, a lot of times I find that they detract from that appreciation. They like take my... Like I can see some images that like move me emotionally and viscerally. And then I read a statement and the statement's like highly intellectualized, you know, like, you know, Freudian Latin phrases, like mythology, talking about Greek mythology. And I'm like, yeah, it's not that. And you, you actually took away what was beautiful about that work, but because of that statement. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, I totally agree. I totally agree. I think the only time that I really find it helpful is if I'm confused about the work, if there's something confusing about it, like, I don't understand the medium that you used i don't understand or that question before why are you using this medium i'll go to the other statement maybe they're talking about does that medium match up with their intent you know so hopefully it answers those questions for me if i go to the the statement if it doesn't then i think it's a fail you know what i'm saying like if, if i can't Find the answers in the artist statement about my. Of course, you're not going to be able to answer all of the questions, but I'm just saying like there's there's a purpose for what you've done here, and don't don't try to make it sound cooler than it is. Like, can you just simplify and say this is why I do it? Right. I mean, what's wrong with pretty pictures, right?
0: i'm all for pretty pictures i'm an american we love pretty pictures of course i live in <laughs> europe they don't really love pretty pictures necessarily but that's a whole different podcast sure. but The um, okay one thing that i've run into with photographers primarily which is very different than like painters and sculptors and all these other mediums that are out there even printmakers photographers love saying how they made their photographs in their statements they say oh i shot this on a film with a Hasselblad, and they use this particular film and i printed it on this particular paper and i used this you know developer blah 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 like and they even give like f stops and isos and all and like nobody fucking cares about that stuff like when it comes to like just looking at a piece of beautiful art on a wall let's say in a gallery or in a whatever you know on a website I, and i i'm interested from your perspective like is how they make it important to you sometimes i'll give you a caveat digital versus analog sure that has a little bit of importance i'd like so if if it was done on film versus digital i'm i that i can understand wanting to be expressed and of course if there are like in your case like the alternative mediums like some of the technical stuff of that but do you care what camera they shot it on what film they shot it on in particular or is it just analog versus digital that's all they have to state
1: yeah i i i'm in that this is what i tell people think about the work going to someone who knows jack shit about photography so do they care do they even know what an f-stop is do they care about any of your equipment no they don't they only care about what your intent was maybe they care about the location you shot it at if it's if it's if that's important to the piece but mostly they're just trying to get a little inf- just a snapshot of your intent with the work that's really it and to me it's like i don't i don't read any of that other stuff as far as like especially when they're talking about what film they used or what camera they use like snooze fest nobody cares about that and the people that do they can find out how you do it like maybe your website has a little bit longer biography about what you do or you know what i mean or they can they can do some research and find out but you know like i just feel like this stuff's not needed like especially if, like you're showing work in a gallery most of your gallery patrons aren't going to know necessarily a lot about photography there maybe a collector collectors might want to know a little more information about quality you know if they're going to buy a piece they might want to investigate a little more about what you're doing but other than that like your your random viewer they don't care it's just they want to know if they like the image or if it's intriguing to them does it are they standing in front of that thing more than eight seconds if they stand there for more than eight seconds and they move and look at your artist statement that's a that's a win in my book
0: is that eight seconds is that the 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 average time now
1: i don't know i might have made that up
0: (laughs) i didn't know if you knew some statistic that i was unaware of i
1: think i think a long time ago uh, a professor told me something about eight seconds but
0: i believe it 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 sounded convincing so that's good
1: i've been using it for years so you can steal it
0: (laughs) i would have taken it these days with the uh the attention span of people down to like three seconds oh that's true well
1: online too that'd be a whole different ball game oh yeah how, oh, how fast do they scroll by your photo
0: <laughs> like i it was funny i was looking at instagram and now on the stories thing it tells you whether somebody forwarded or reversed like when they look through your stories they so whether oh. they looked like watched the whole thing for the whole span of time or whether they hit forward and i'm mm. like everybody hits forward i've never watched a whole freaking story on instagram anyways that's just i i have a short attention span i guess so okay back to publishing i have a Mm -hmm. question because you earlier you mentioned something about like the amount of submissions that you get and all this kind of stuff like how many like what's the uh, what i'm interested actually is like the ratio i guess of like how many submissions to how many people published
1: i don't know like the percentage but like i would guess maybe just to space off this last year's diffusion we had i would say we must have published, I think last the last one was 70. Sorry, I got to get my numbers in my head here. No problem. I, I don't actually know the numbers, but I would say like maybe this last issue, we published a quarter of what we got.
0: Okay. That's pretty, it's pretty competitive, really. I mean, yeah. yeah.
1: And that's like some people have... You know six images and some people only have one so there's also you know quantity of photos too like some people's work there's a lot more images that work well with what we're going for and then sometimes there's only one from somebody else that fits in with and it's not to say that any is better than the other it's just more like it just fits in with my vision or what the theme is or whatever we're going for you know oftentimes I'll be laying stuff out. I'll be doing the design piece of it as we're curating because, hey, these images talk really well to each other. So we're going to pick them instead of these, even though I might like this one better. This one works better with these other images. So it's in, It's kind of a more organic way of curating. It's not like, hey, I love this image that's going in. It's more like, how do these images talk to the other folks that are in here? And honestly, there's a ton of work that I get. This is new maybe in the last four years, but. When I first started, we got a a ton of images that I hated, but, but not not to insult anyone, but there was just a lot of bad work that I got a lot. And nowadays I'm getting way more really quality photographs that I wish I could put in, but they just don't fit the vision with where we're going or they're or they're too similar to other stuff that I've already chosen. So like if I have, you know, a couple images that are done kind of very similarly, I have to decide which one do i feel like fits best in this case and and sometimes people like well how come this person's work got in and mine didn't because mine's like in the same vein it's like well it's just it's just random like you know it's just it's all about what i liked that day you know it's not even about what i like in general it's like when i was designing it this worked best
0: it is nice that I mean you're you're your own boss and so you can make your own decisions and like you don't have to answer to anybody but it is difficult sometimes to deal with the egos of artists that have not been selected Like, and I say that because I'm also not been selected for as many things as everybody else has not been selected for so like oh yeah me it's too tough, course
1: yeah there's times I'm like oh I'm 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 definitely gonna get into this one like this is like a shoe and I'm perfect for and then I don't and I'm like oh man and then I'll see the work I'm like well well, shit my stuff was better than that one and it's like well it's not necessarily about that
0: <laughs> it's it's i mean the entire industry is so subjective in so many ways you know mm-hmm. I mean, as a, you know you as a both a practitioner as well as a publisher you see it from both sides because like you're submitting your stuff to other people and then people are submitting stuff to you so like you can't win i mean it's totally subjective and and you just hope that you get them on a good day where they just happen to it looks beautiful on the screen for them and they're in a good mood.
1: Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny too, because of the publishing side for me, there was a moment in time where I was like, wait, am I getting into these shows just because of my name or is it because of the work? So then I, I was having a lot of like, Oh, maybe I should go under an alias as an artist. So nobody connects my name to diffusion or my publishing. And of course I haven't done that, but I just think, It'd be interesting to experiment. Like, would I actually get into some of the things that I get into without that connection to what I do, you know?
0: Well, uh, I, I've often wondered, like, if you took some... I, I saw something recently, some guy that did a thing where, like, uh, put up a bunch of photographs of Yosemite and was like, was like, I, is this done by Ansel Adams or not done by Ansel Adams? And, and uh, they got a lot of them wrong. <laughs> like, uh, that, that they thought were done by Ansel Adams. That, So, I mean, it's like, is it the name? Is it the reputation that sort of is the reason why these things are done and sometimes yes it's completely that reason
1: (laughs) yeah oh yeah for sure well luckily i don't have a very big name so i don't have to worry about it
0: (laughs) (laughs) your name is out there i mean more more than mine is you know so like you're better than me i guess (laughs) or or at least you're more productive than me let's say oh i don't know about that (laughs) let's see um the okay when it comes to submitting, so like as your side of the, somebody who receives submissions, what are some of the, like the technical things that people do wrong that makes it go like, oh yeah, I can't like, are files too large, wrong format, like whether you like what what's the what's the if you know outside of whatever you've written, and, you know because I'm sure you have instructions, you mm-hmm. know, but even within those instructions, what have people done wrong?
1: I think well, what well, you mentioned it—the file sizes are the biggest problem. I think, and usually things are too small. Like, oh, that's that's not gonna print well. And honestly, I used to get back to the artist and say, "Hey, you did this wrong. Can you resubmit?" But. I get so many submissions now I can't do that. So basically, no matter how good the work is, if it's not submitted right, it goes into the trash. You know, sadly. But so follow the stuff.
0: instructions is really what. Yeah,
1: I'm a big I'm a big follow whatever the gallery, the publication, whatever they're asking for. F- just follow it to a T. It it's worth the extra time because oftentimes it, they they may not get back to you if it doesn't qualify what they've asked for then they're just going to trash it even naming like naming the file correctly and i i have given some free cards for for that because i think naming jpegs is like a, re- a huge pain in the butt for artists and i understand that but, you know trying to do it the right way for the for whatever venue you're submitting to it's just it's a huge pain in the butt so if i can somehow alleviate that in my because i'll bring everything in the lightroom and review everything in there and sometimes things and i'm looking at him i trying to do like a blind jury so i don't look at the names in lightroom it's nice because i don't actually see names with with people of course i recognize a lot of work just because i know these people's work but it helps me do more of a blind jury but if they're have misnamed the file they sh- they show up in random places in lightroom not alphabetical because I'll i'll sort it and then i'm like okay that person didn't follow my instructions so immediately they get dumped you know because like you didn't do it right but if i can make the connections like oh i think these pieces are all for the same person i'll go in and rename them but if i'm feeling kind of like grumpy <laughs>
0: <laughs> again subjective right, <laughs> right?
1: It's like ah oh, you didn't follow the instructions i'm sorry <laughs> you're out yeah
0: all right any topics that uh, we haven't touched on that you feel the desire to express something about
1: uh, I do have a question for you. How long you been doing this podcast?
0: Year and a half two, yeah, year and a half, a little about, over a year and a half. So you've
1: probably you've probably talked about it in previous episodes. But what made you kind of go this route just doing a podcast?
0: I was in the Middle East. I worked in the United Arab Emirates and I left there and my wife is Czech. So we decided to move to the Czech Republic and when we got here i was sort of expecting like oh i'm i you know i'm the exotic american artist and a professor and they'll love me and i should be able to get a job no problem teaching at the universities you know, No, they they had no interest in me whatsoever um so yeah. there, were, there were no teaching jobs really available to me here and and then i got to europe and so i'm in europe and and i'm going around to galleries and i'm talking to artists and curators and all these different people and and i'm realizing that like the system is different um you know i grew up in america i left america when i was i don't know 37 i think and i moved to the middle east and then now i'm here in in prague and I, i realized that the system is different in europe a but also the system has changed since i was in school 20 some odd years ago mm-hmm. um you know you know with the social media and the interconnectedness things the art fair the rise of art fairs all these other kinds of things that have really really changed the industry and i realized because i had been in my little tower of academia as a professor for many years that i i was just like oh shit, I, i've lost touch like i don't understand how it works anymore mm-hmm. and So I said, you know, I sort of thought I was like, well, how do you do, how do you learn how it works? And I realized that the easiest way is just to talk to people, but just talking to people like in one town is not going to tell me anything. It's just going to tell me how it works here, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean how it works kind of thing. So I decided to do a podcast because I figured if I'm this lost and I have been trying to understand this stuff, then a lot of other people are lost. And so I decided to just start talking to people and see what knowledge comes. And I have learned, I've learned a lot about how I should move forward in my career. And I've also learned a lot about the mistakes I have made in my career that I Mm -hmm. didn't realize were mistakes until I spoke to people. And I'm like, oh, yeah, shit, I made that mistake. Yeah.
1: Oh, interesting. That's, that's great because I feel like that's. That's how you learn. You Basically, you've taken something you were interested in, in learning, and you're sharing it at the same time you're learning it, which is great. I love it.
0: Well, I have this idea, like, because you talked about, <laughs> okay, here, I'll give you an idea. You can do this if you want. I don't care. I have this idea of doing portfolio reviews virtually, which I know you hate, but virtual and record them and put them on YouTube for people to sort of watch how... The thought pattern of a review goes, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not that they will get to see their work reviewed, but they'll get to see how people converse in a review like, Mm -hmm. what are they looking for? What are they listening to? What are they experiencing? What's missing? What's you know, whatever. So, like, I kept thinking, like, that would be a really like, I would probably watch that video of like people getting reviews done. I'm not talking like super long, you know, 15 minutes, whatever kind of thing, Mm -hmm. yeah. but like that idea of like doing an online review and then showing it on YouTube. But the hard part was, is trying to find people that were willing to be criticized publicly, publicly on YouTube. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. like, Cause it's very different. Cause you know, portfolio reviews are generally done in closed set- sessions. You know, the public doesn't see them, you know, even the portfolio reviews I do online, like nobody sees them except me and the, the re- person being reviewed. But I would, I, I feel like a lot of the people that I talk to or engage with n- oftentimes need to hear critical or like even the dialogue and the vocabulary of like how to give critical feedback, but also how to receive critical feedback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that's a, a little bit of an art form that I think we're we're losing these days.
1: No, I would, I would totally agree. Well also too like I've noticed being you know with other reviewers everybody's perspective is so so different too so if you had a you know if you did a series of these where people could see like oh this person's more interested in how are you presenting yourself like what does your website look like how are you getting your marketing materials and the other people are more interested in like oh the technique that you use to get to that print and then and then some people are just like oh okay let's just critique your composition and you know what i mean like so there's so many perspectives on on that stuff and and also it's self-serving the reviewers are like hey i work in a museum so my my interest is gonna be way different than Blue, the publisher you know
0: what i mean so okay there we can elevate this so not only would it be a review of a single person but they would get reviewed by let's say like three people from different aspects so like one person who cares about marketing and publicity one who cares about institutional stuff and then like an art collector like so like three different perspectives on a review of one set of work that they do independently and then you mm-hmm. put it together as one youtube video so you can see one set of artwork being reviewed by three different people yeah sounds brilliant i love it <laughs> <laughs> you're the videographer man you do this stuff like <laughs> <laughs> well i'll call you if we decide to do it <laughs> I'm, I'm game i will participate as long as like the face doesn't have to be on it like i i'm you know I, i've got a face for radio so like i'm, I'm my voice is great i love yeah, yeah. talking but like i don't need to be seen i also make weird really weird facial expressions and hand gestures and people don't need to see that <laughs> that's great mm. okay any last bit of advice you might be able to give out to to people that are interested in being creative, being artists, being photographers, possibly be wanting to get into the publishing industry, like anything that you do that you have some advice that maybe you've never given out before, possibly like a negative thing, like stay away from something. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, I think, I think in general, I think, For me, and this is going to sound a little cliche, but I think just being genuine to yourself, you know, like, are you, are you being genuine to, to you when you're, when you're pursuing things, you know, and, and honestly, I've met a lot of great people in the photo world, but I've also met some people that are abrasive. So my, my thing is like, just don't be an asshole to people and you'll be fine. Stop being an asshole and everything will work out great for you.
0: I know. I used to be that asshole. And so that's why, like, I, again, remember I talked about, like, things I learned that I did wrong in my career. I used to be that asshole, and I'm trying to mea culpa and make amends to that <laughs> so, by not, you know, aging into wisdom of not being as much of an asshole. Yeah, I love it. It's great. Well, at least you've learned. I try. It's, all, <laughs> it's, it's a daily struggle, but, you know, got to work on it yeah, right on all right. Well, thank you very much for your time.
1: yeah. Thank you, Matt.